Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Josh Redder. Originally from Ohio, Josh lived on the island of Maui, Hawaii, for 10 glorious years. Inexplicably, he moved back to Ohio. He describes himself as ministry-adjacent. He's also a regular contributor for Mockingbird's website. I give you Josh Redder. Josh Redder, you are a friend, a longtime listener to many podcasts, guest on the podcasts, and you're a jolly good fellow as well. Um, and you are not preaching Sunday and don't, reg- no, and, and don't regularly preach, but you do no. look at the lectionary frequently and you're a student of the Bible. I, I, and a frequent sermon editor for, for name names. No, oh no, no, Josh. You have to cover the presentable parts. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Cover the so the elections <laughs> this week are interesting, and we're you know we're also heading into the end of the year A. Yes. So next year, everybody team preaching on the lectionary will be the B team. So, but this year everyone's. I, the I have A-team. to get down my book of common prayers with the the imitation leather cover. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So the first lection this week is Joshua 24. Uh, the, the lectionary breaks up. It goes 1 through 3A, which is the first half. Right. And 14 to 25, where Joshua is gathering all the tribes to, of Israel together. And it's sort of almost like a covenant renewal act. Like it, what actually is a covenant renewal act. Yeah. It's an important meeting. Yes, yes. And they're kind of saying, hey, are, are, are we um, are we re-upping here? You know, are – Right. Yes. And the <laughs> the pinch. most interesting I love this passage because uh before he sort of asked them to sort of um give the loyalty oath, he says he asked them to remember something. He says mm-hmm. you know, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. So I think like so often, like in the age of making nations great again, like (laughs) whether it's – and every nation does this, right? You want to romanticize your founding myth, right? Like, hey, we're we're special, we're great – I, I feel like this is the Bill Murray speech in Stripes. Like we all have wet noses. <laughs> we all. Have, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's Fincher because Joshua here reminds them that everything is grace. He he protected us all along the way we went. You know, remember that. Yeah, it's no small thing. We were a small, isolated people traveling through. You know, God forsaken territory with God leading us, and, 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 and even that. being the pitiful traveling people we are, he had to go all the way across the Euphrates. 
Yes. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I did this speaking gig years ago at the Senior Center in North Jersey, and it, it was a great day. Like it was, they had a big budget, and so they brought like this top-notch rabbi in, uh, an Islamic layperson, and they couldn't find anybody to represent the Christian faith. So I got the call, and we we had to <laughs> we had to give a talk on. All of us had to sort of offer our spiel on. Abraham as the father of our faith. Ah. And it was interesting because the rabbi talked about Abraham as a real mensch. He was a real great guy, and that's why God chose him. Mm-hmm. And the Islamic layman talked about this, you know, Islamic tradition where Ishmael is kind of the favorite son, and they get run out of the pagan lands because they were smashing all the idols. And I got up, and I right. got up there, and I was the least exotic, right? I'm just the run of the mill Christian among all the people. You know, probably <laughs> most of them were probably grew up in some Christian tradition. I said, I just respectfully, like, I just this seems like textually inaccurate. Like, it, Abraham and Sarah, they're barren, which is a sign of not favored. You know, like childlessness is hard in any culture, but right, right, it, right. In the ancient Near East, I mean, it's just a, it, like, there's so much social stigma like the gods are against you and they're worshiping other gods it looks like the line of the promise is dying out and then god plucks abram mm. and sarah they're a new adam and eve from death to life and so like yes. it's, it's just funny like this is his pep talk all right first of all yes. let's remember <laughs> where we come from and it's nowhere i took your father Abraham. <laughs> it's yes. nowhere yeah yeah from beyond the river and led them all through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. The, the barren, the barren elderly couple. I did that. Remember, I did it. I always think of, there's a verse in, I think it's in Deuteronomy. I'd be in Exodus, but I think it's in Deuteronomy, where the Lord says, I, it's kind of a remember passage, just another, another one of the remember passages. And, and there's always a, a line in it that, that stuck out to me is I gave you the ability to gain wealth. Yeah. Well, that has much more to do than just wealth. Uh, the fact that you can hold a dollar bill uh, in your hand and make a an exchange for goods and services. I remember. I gave you that ability. I, I'm the one. I'm the one who's taking care of you. Uh, and, and even uh, you know, just thinking about Abraham and, and uh, Kierkegaard's fear and trembling, but. But just that idea of, of the Lord constantly, anything that we could be reliant on for anything other than him, he goes out of his way to to kind of upset that uh, um, dynamic and constantly call, remember what I've already done. Uh, this is as, as solid as, as the, the ground beneath your feet. Uh, it's it's as solid as gravity. Uh, it is. Yeah. So you are, you you're a guy that's <laughs> no, no. a listener of sermons and an editor of sermons, which we will not mention. So, what would be the well, wrong? Well, I mean, way the temptation is Joshua. <laughs> like, what would you not want to hear on Sunday? Leader he is. Um, and, and and being very prescriptive with the. Uh, the passages, you know, it, it, it's all, of, it's more, more about us remembering and, and, 
more about us remembering what he's already done. But instead, we, we do like to, but look what a great job we did. Uh, or, or a call for social action. Uh, I, I, I can even see that coming from this sermon. You know, now we will serve the Lord. Well, this is how you serve him. It's, it's not about prescription. It's a response. It's an honest response to what the Lord's done. That that's that's the only that's that's the sign that we have is is just a response and and it's not about measuring it but it should produce something in us that's why he's saying remember look what well how would you live in light of the fact of what I've already done and knowing you can't lose what would you do that's all you have to do you know that 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 honors him but it's already been done. Um, but I can see this turning into a, a, a rah-rah session for Try Harder. And completely missing the passage. Um, so Joshua made a covenant with people that day and made statues and ordinance over them at Shechem. The statues and ordinances are just to preserve our memory. <laughs> The Lord was with us in this place. You know, we had a moment here. You all witnessed it. Uh, exactly. And it's in the remembrance, right, that we're but remembering. But it's such an instant. In I will The worship is about our performance. No, it's not. It's the object of our Will you like very basic things but don't let but your I think so much love confusion comes with that you know, yeah but I love that and, and you know you know but as for me and my household it was really, that always seemed like a very uh, um, always seemed like one of the arguments we're having practice you know <laughs> I always thought that sounds very yeah yeah, are you better baptism? I mean, but there was a ter- determination of how we are going to orient ourselves in in light of what God's already done. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Speaking of households, right? Yes. Like, um, the church at Thessalonica were probably in households. First um, Thessalonians four. This this church, it, the way Paul begins it is really interesting, right? We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, because this is the first generation of Christians mm. who had people die, uh, and we're mm. thinking, well, their death is defeated in the resurrection what are we doing and he says that so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope man you're a guy that you've experienced some loss in your life like we don't have to get specifics because because yeah. everyone every but i know you a little yeah, bit yeah, and, yeah. and and guess what everyone listening yeah, yeah. has experienced loss and fragility yes. and, and 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 the pain of one Absolutely. i think it's here one day and gone the next. So, I—I I mean, I think this is really the goal in the passage, right? 
not that not that don't grieve, but just there's, oh, absolutely. there's a difference yeah, between yeah. grieving with hope or without hope. Yeah. So we what's it mean, man? What's yeah. it mean to grieve in hope? It's as I have no hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about what the Apostle Paul said about we're the most to be pitied. You know, if this isn't true, we're the most to be pitied. And But there is an... It's almost instinctual. It's the Holy Spirit. But just so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Uh, we do have a hope. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the flames may be fanned uh, to... to higher degrees some days than others. But but at a baseline, we, we know that uh, we're raised with Christ and uh, uh, it, it isn't the same. Uh, you know, we, we aren't Sadducees. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, we still grieve. And, and, and I, I, I notice there, there, there seems to be a, uh, a type of odd pietism that shows up that, that we really shouldn't grieve. And, and I think as a culture in America, we are, as someone commented, uh, we are terrible at grieving uh, at all, uh, Christian or not. But, but there is a difference. Um, but it, it doesn't take away the pain from it. Um, I was reading at the end of the passage. Uh, we will be caught up in the clouds together with uh, them to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, boy, just a whole slew of uh, movies and books have been <laughs> crafted out of that sentence. Uh, um, uh, it's it's funny. Yeah, and, mo and most of the scholarship right, would say that like he's not talking about a rapture. He's talking about like, Exactly. Don't worry. Exactly. It's actually the anti-rapture passage. Yeah. It, it, it's actually saying like, "Hey, like it, because it's Caesar, an anti-left behind." Caesar would like yeah, have a military yeah. victory. The people would come out. Right, right. <laughs> the people would come out like for miles ahead to walk in with him, like to announce his victory. So he's saying like, "Don't worry, you're not going to miss it when the victory over death comes, because we're going to be caught up in the clouds to come back on the earth." And announce the exactly. resurrection. Like it's not like we're going to be secretly it, resurrected. Yeah, it's, it'll be it's okay. actually. Yeah. You're it's, not going to. It'll be it's public. A very, uh, um, insightful bit of uh, comfort, but but it is strange what uh, we have done in the last what hundred years with that uh, twisting uh, out of all proportion that verse. Um, yeah, I, I I do think it is a. Uh, I think lament. And grief are something that uh, uh, could be explored again, and I see a few theologians trying to do that uh, because that that's something that was lost. And uh, and going back and reading the scriptures, they, they weren't immune to to grief or lament, uh, but it's something that we've we've kind of pushed away from us is is something unpious. Uh, and I think we miss the point. Um, uh, we're not hopeless, but uh, uh, that hope gets squeezed a bit. And, and I think we get ourselves into a lot of existential trouble when we try to deny that. Uh, but when you see a funeral, uh, uh, a, a funeral um, that uh, takes an account uh, 
uh, our hope, uh, that can actually be a paradoxically beautiful thing. Yeah. Quite comforting. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a beautiful. of comfort let's go right yes. <laughs> to our comfort yes. help, the lord jesus here we go matthew 25 this is uh, we got uh, some bridesmaids five did five <laughs> did the right thing five did the wrong thing right I mean, here we have you know they're waiting for the uh the bridegroom to come and all of them all of them are drowsy and asleep but at midnight there's a shout and the bridegroom's here, and yes, they're called to come out to meet him. It's interesting it. with the Thessalonians yeah. passage, right? Like, And the foolish say to the wise, like, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going up. But the wise said, no, there'll be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers. No, there won't be enough, rather. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And when they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready it's a, it's a beautiful uh complex the and paradoxical the story shit. that's for sure um i i do love the t- i do love the tie-in though with the previous passage uh keep awake therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour um it's another popular uh uh passage but uh it's interesting, you know. It reminds me a little bit of the passage. Uh, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. It reminds me, you know, if you're going to build a tower. First, count the cost. And uh, I wonder if that's what it's pointing to a little bit. Um, uh, I I think <laughs> I was talking. To, it is. It is. Well, this is a I, tough I think one it's to because preach, of right? the responses of the. No, there will not be enough for you and us, which was the the right answer. But that's it's a little challenging to apply. Um, I I think too that it, it might go a little bit to the parable of the seed and the sower. Um, the the idea of uh, I was talking to someone the other day and talking about uh, you know just point me to a cross and it's the cross is that thing that you're having difficult. <laughs> Difficulty in you know the thing that that that's causing some of the the death, so that that's that's what we 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 run towards. So um, yeah, this is a it's a challenging passage. I guess I'd never really considered this one too much, but keep awake. Therefore, um, it seems to be a key. I'm sure Can we Capon cheat and just go right to Brother Capon? Insight to this passage. So he says in his parable of judgment stuff, he says, accordingly, while I'm playing my cards face up, let me give you what I consider to be the most, to the master key to the parables of judgment. As growth in a mystery was the governing device in the parables of the kingdom. So like he, Jesus early on in his ministry is telling me stories about the kingdom blowing up like a mustard seed, you know, growth in a mystery. Uh, 
And his death and resurrection was the governing device of the parables of grace. So inclusion before exclusion is the chief interpretation, interpretive principle of the parables of judgment. As a general rule, and especially in his specific parables of judgment, Jesus is at pains to show Mm. that no one is kicked out who wasn't already in. The corroboration of that principle, of course, will be the burden of this entire book, but just to whet your appetite for the labor of exposition, let me give you a few instances of how it manifests itself. And he talks about uh, several things, but he talks about specifically his first example is the king's son's wedding where the guy kicked out is on the terms of the parable already invited. The wedding garment, and he has theories about what the wedding garment is, but it, 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 it's almost as if the people that are excluded yes. the parables of judgment exclude themselves. Like they're not um, in, in a recalcitrant way. Like, uh, And so th- it's interesting yes, because right. I think we want to make these texts about us, right? But but the most interesting thing, we know what the human condition is, right? At least the way science fiction is so successful as a genre, because human nature right. never changes. Right. You can give us uh, phasers and warp drive and lightsabers, but people are just people. But the revelatory thing is God, what these tell us about God. And what tells us is that like all these people are pledged to the bridegroom. They're not waiting right. exactly. to be pledged. They're, pl- they're yes. pledged already. Exactly. I, I, I like that um, a lot. I, Yeah, I think that's probably about the, <laughs> the best path through that uh, that I've heard. Um, God bless Capon. Capon uh, was the best at getting to the gospel (laughs) through the gospels, which I think is not easy. I mean, I think where most preachers struggle is to preach the gospel, the good news of the deliverance in Jesus from the actual texts that that (laughs) make up the life of Jesus. Capon has a wonderful way of kind of seeing things sideways that, that, um, forces you to examine a already familiar passage in a completely different way um, because it, it, it's usually such an unusual approach that you're suspicious, but when you parse it out, um, uh, it, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of insight contained in it. I, uh, I, I do have to, I have, I saw that Amos was uh, part of the lectionary reading, Amos 5. And and I did have a little tidbit of Amos, wherever that. That is for oh, the people that are right. doing track Well, two. it's the only story I got on Amos. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a great little passage where he's delivering uh, uh, a... Uh, a message to uh, uh, God's people and uh, Amaziah, the priest of uh, Bethel, uh, is kind of bringing a complaint against Amos and kind of talking against him. And, and I, there's a beautiful little bit of honesty in, in, in Amos's reply. It's actually in chapter seven, which is outside of even track two. Um, he said, 
I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore trees. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy. And I always thought that was a beautiful example of a call for the Lord, from the Lord, because, uh, you know, it, it kind of ties into uh, a little bit of the Joshua passage where um, the prophet's job is kind of like the guy at a sporting event with a big foam rubber finger, you know, and, and his job is always to point the attention it's the middle, finger. It can the be middle it's the middle finger. It's right? always pointing back, you know, as a friend of mine described, there's the kind of the yield and the stop signs of a runaway train. And and they're always pointing back to mm. the Lord. It's all, their message is very simple. Uh, and, and it always tends to rub against, you know, the areas where they've moved away. Uh, but it, it seems to me kind of a recapitulation of, of the Joshua passage. Remember, choose, you know, that this is... If, if you remember what the Lord's done for you, uh, follow him now. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like Wrath of Khan, <laughs> remember. And also Wrath of Khan, like the needs of the many, you know, the needs of uh, of the many. Yes, yes. You know, outweigh the needs of the few. But, uh, but then also it's interesting cause, because in Star Trek Three it becomes the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. And so like it, Jesus is always, you know, seems to be flipping the script on our view, not just of ourselves, but of God. I, what I notice about that passage, it's uh, the Amos, uh, the reading Amos five, the end of that is, but let's let justice roll down. Um, uh, and, and the result of that turning back to the Lord, the side effect. Yeah. Uh, what flows from that is justice, uh, but but real justice, yeah. the kind that's that uh, uh, does restore and make things right. Um, yeah, Josh, thanks for doing this, and thank you for asking me. Blessings to you on Sunday, hearing the word where I'm not preaching. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, brother. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe, or pass it along to a friend via email, or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Josh for being on the podcast, and thanks again to you for listening. Until next time, friends, fare thee well.